Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. We have Toronto Sun columnist Lori Goldstein joining us live. Hi, Lori. How are you? I'm doing well, Arlene. Having a good day? Yeah, I am. I want to ask you, because we just went to the phones and asked how the strike is affecting people. We know there's been an offer. We're seeing tickets handed out for honking, this, that, and the other. But you said, and I think you are correct, I'm going to give you full, that nobody really <laughs> nobody really cares yet. Any evidence that that may change, Lori? Well, you know, it, it will happen slowly. I mean, the first thing now will be tax returns. Um, I was surprised. I think we were both surprised that the federal government mm-hmm. announced no extension for um, uh, taxes uh, up to um, Monday. Monday's the deadline because that's going to hurt. That's frankly going to hurt lower income people more. Um, you know, the tax code constantly changes. Uh, most people who are lower income don't have accountants to do it for them, and so they rely on information from um, uh, you know uh, Revenue Canada or the Canada Revenue Agency leading up to the deadline. And apparently people are waiting four hours to get a live voice on the phone. So that's not good. So, you know, but it's like, it's like any strike. I think that what is unusual is that 155,000 civil servants could go on strike. And for more than a week, there's been no, for the vast majority of us, there's been no change in our lives. Um, I mean, that's surprising because it raises the issue of, well, what are they all doing, um, obviously? Um, uh, but, you know, as this goes on, I think what we all hope for is a negotiated settlement. Sounds like the government's made a new offer, and that's good. And um, But, you know, if this thing goes on and on and on, and if, if the union becomes more and more militant, right, um, you know, if they start um, picketing outside of the that are very important to services to the public. And, you know, you can do that. And then are the workers who are going in, are they going to respect the picket line and all that? So, you know, it, it's like this, it's like how an avalanche starts, you know, with <laughs> like one rock starts rolling down yeah. and you don't notice yeah. it for a while. But if it goes on and on and on, you do. I mean, if, if they start like, like seriously impeding the ports, right, that's a big deal. If they start taking over bridges, <laughs> like we saw a small example, you know, yesterday, I think mainly symbolic, but, but, you know, what well, we see what happens like that in, in the, in the so-called freedom convoy, right? You can yeah. cause enormous damage. So, um, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. And, and, you know, hopefully there's a new offer and cooler heads are going to prevail and they don't seem to be enormously far apart on, on wages, which is always the key issue. Um, so, you know, you hope, Heads will rational heads will prevail on both sides, and we'll get a settlement within the next week, and then and then we can all go back to life as normal as it is these days. You got, which is not so normal, but we'll take yeah. it. I, I want to ask you, you know, we opened the hour, we took some calls, we also talked to uh, some observers in this, and the deal between the NDP and the Liberals, we have, the, of course, that what did the Conservatives do? We know that they've been trying to rebrand themselves and lure in a union workers, not so much federal union workers, but certainly private sector, yep. and they'll take the federal if they can get them, I guess. Yep. However, you know, we're watching Jagmeet Singh, what will be his line in the sand, and there was some speculation in hour one stuff that we've all talked about. Is this perhaps a moment where we're, we will see a deal in the future? This uh, We're not calling it a coalition, 
But this deal between the Liberals and the NDP, are we seeing a flash right here of a sign that it could continue? Because we know that this week there was a lot of conversations about what happens in an election if Pierre Polyev wins, but he doesn't get a whopping majority. Are the Liberals and the NDP in a longer-term deal. What do you think? What does your spidey sense say? It's, it's, it's possible. Um, uh, that, that was talked about for a long time in Ontario politics as well, when there was, you know, years ago there was a, it wasn't a coalition, but there was an agreement to govern between uh, the then Bob Ray and, and David Peterson. Uh, Peterson was a Liberal Premier, and and, um, and Ray who supported. Now, that, that happened for uh, three years, and, and then there was a new election. And um, uh, and that brought in uh, uh, Bob Ray. Now, the, but the idea of does the left unite? Because if you look at the votes, then collectively, if, if you take all the votes of the, of the NDP and add them to the Liberals, then you could get a majority government federally. But that that assumes some things. You see, that assumes that all of those votes are going to go liberal, and that all liberal votes are going to stay if the um, NDP were to link up with them. And I think, in fact, what would happen is that there would be what we call the blue liberals, the more conservative uh, liberals. They would be appalled by having a formal uh, government with the NDP, and they they might well go conservative. So it's it's hard to predict those uh, things. Um, You know, the idea... So then then we'd be down to, like, we'd we'd have... would be four major parties instead of three, I suppose... And so the you know the possibility of majority governments would be more frequent, but but it, it, it's too simplistic to say that if you add the, the NDP and Liberal votes, they get a majority, um, because that's not how people work. People don't work in in blocks. For example, years ago, there was a real competition for votes between the old the previous member of the Reform Party and the NDP. It was about yeah. never mind their ideology, which party would be identified as the party of protest, right? Um, mm-hmm. If the NDP were to join the, the Liberals, then they are abandoning their uh, they'd be abandoning their position as the party of protest and the party of conscience. Right? They'd now be in government. Um, so you know the, the landscape can be really um, uh, it's hard to predict those things. But look, we've seen these alliances so far. The one between the NDP and the Liberals, or Trudeau and Singh, whatever frustrations Canadians may have in, have with it or, or support for it, it's worked, you know, for the, for, since they made that deal, there hasn't been a confidence vote, the government hasn't fallen, and this is over a purely political deal that either of them could, could snap at a moment's notice. Now, one, one thing that would be hard would be if, if the Public Service Alliance of Canada strike goes on and on and on, mm-hmm. because the NDP... It'll strain this one. You know, they're against imposed yeah. settlements, against back-to-work legislation. So then it would become... Now, if, if that were to happen, well, then would the Conservatives support the Liberals in bringing an end to the strike, which they might not want to do? So um, I, I think there's a political advantage for Trudeau in settling the, the PSAC strike for that reason, among many others. Wouldn't want to test it. And Jagmeet Singh doesn't want to test it as well. No, of course I mean, not. this is no. So we're seeing kind of this it's a moment, this strike. And it may, you know, Canadians may not be affected at this moment, but politically, Lori, yeah, yeah. the parties have a lot of a lot at stake here. The rebranding, the conservatives planning to draw more people into their tent. Yep. And how do they go? They don't want to be they gotta keep it on the prime minister. May I also throw in this to you. Was it a good look? He's getting some criticism, the Prime Minister being in New York City with Hugh Jackman and all. Selfies, back to selfies. Yeah, yeah, no, 
<laughs> our sister paper, the National Post, had a, a good column by John Iverson, and they ran that picture of, of Trudeau. Yeah, uh, um, it was with, good. Who, you know, who's a great actor, but I'm not <laughs> sure I, I really want to listen to him on climate change. Um, yeah, no, no uh, I wrote about that um, earlier in the week. Um, I don't think it was a good look. Um, I think that, you know, I understand that, look, the prime minister doesn't have to be in Ottawa to be briefed on what's going on with a national strike and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, to, to, and, and, you know, and they also said, look, he's not just doing this global citizen now thing. He's talking to the Council of Foreign Relations. He's promoting he's promoting, you know, investment in clean energy in Canada, yada, yada, yada. But no, I didn't think it was a good look. I don't think it's a good look when when we have all the problems we have, including a federal uh, strike for the prime minister to, to be at another one of these, you know, gab fests about saving the planet, which is what, you know, like, okay, this one's called Global Citizen Now, and then there's the World Economic Forum, and then there's the annual meetings of the United Nations uh, Framework Convention on Climate Change, which happens to appear every year in all of the vacation and tourist hotspots in the world. I'm not saying you can never go this to happens, those. Yeah. I understand you have to, yeah. but I, I, I just don't but, think it, it was a good move. Yeah. Yeah, and as you said at the beginning of the a lot of this, read the room. Credible discovery and admission this week from a former defense minister that he did not read his emails. All right, and this just it was a blinking moment for me because, and I'm bringing it up now because we're going to talk about how we're getting people out of Sudan. We know mm-hmm. there was another flight today, and how it kind of conflated with our impressions of what happened in Afghanistan. They weren't impressions. Let's face it. We let a lot of people down. And during that time, such an intensity on the government. And this week, we have the former defense minister admitting or saying, is it an excuse or is it ineptness or clumsiness? I don't know. What kind of a cabinet minister does not read their emails during such a tense time? What did you make of that admission? I think that I think that it was a symptom of what was going on then rather than the cause um, you remember that um, the fall of um, Kabul to the Taliban caught everybody way off guard, um, but Canada more than most. Um, other countries were, were able, for example, to, 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 to get credible um, evacuations going uh, faster than Canada. Canada did do evacuations, there's no doubt about that, but they weren't as well done or as efficient or as fast off the mark as you know, a number of other countries. And so this, to me, where the, the, the relevant minister at the time, Harjit Sajjan, says that he, you know, um, this all has to do with authorization letters, authorizing people trying to get out of Afghanistan, including many, mm-hmm. many Af- Af- people from Afghanistan who were allies in the war. Um, and in the post-war period, that they were they were translators. They worked with our our military, and so they would reasonably be people who would be in danger um, when the Taliban took over uh, Kabul. And when and we all know that efforts to get them out were chaotic. That there was you know that there were um, soldiers who like soldiers who had served in Afghanistan who felt the situation was so desperate they were trying to establish lines of communication and help themselves. Um, and so and so this is this bizarre thing where Canadian senator. Mary Lou McFredrin, who I believe was well-intentioned, um, got some sort of template from from Sajan's office about these kinds of forms and just started sending out hundreds of them, right? And I guess yeah. what Sajan is saying, well, he never saw that in his email. Well, look, a minister gets a lot of emails, and in a crisis, of course, they're going to be overrun. But what struck me was that 
the, the lack of a process where, because one of his staff members had authorized or had given these things to McFedrin, that there was no there was no other way to know that. Like, well, wait a minute. Yeah. Wouldn't if he's doing that yeah. and his chief of staff or whoever it is is saying, I'm going to do this with McFedrin, whether you know for whatever reason that nobody briefs the minister at any point. Oh, by the way, we're doing this. You know, exactly. Would rely on. I mean, I know it's an easy hit to say to Sajan, you didn't read your email, right? But but. But I think we have to understand that when Afghanistan, when Kabul's falling and all hell is breaking loose in Afghanistan, and we've got thousands of people who are begging us to get out, many of whose lives were genuinely endangered because they'd worked with us, they were our allies mm-hmm. in Afghanistan. The fact that he might miss, uh, it's just that the idea that, that the, the warning would be in one email just strikes me as, my God, what was going on? I, I'm with God. you. And- and I think all reasonable, all our listeners think back and go, didn't somebody walk down the hall and say, you should check, have you heard? Exactly. I, is that, I mean, come on, we can all relate. What you, I can see missing and someone, would they not? You couldn't do a radio show like that if you miss it, <laughs> something. Do, you, you know, somebody's texting you in your ear and go, you know what? Or you're texting them going, the microphone's on fire. Like, come on. Yeah, to me, and it's, it's just it's, a symbol. Yeah. Like, I don't think people were motivated yeah. by ill intention here. I think they were in the middle of a crisis. And so, and when you don't have, A, it's a crisis, B, you don't have a, a, a competent communication system, stuff falls through the cracks. And this was a major, a, a major crack. I mean, everybody was trying to get people out. I get that. That, that was the motivation of yeah. the senator. That was the motivation of the government, however well or not they, they, they did it. But, but just like, like it, 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 it's really like, you know, what if there's something where it's an, an immediate and imminent threat to Canadians and this sort of stuff were to go on? Like my God, <laughs> the process, and yeah, you go wow. In a in a a short order, cook would act more quickly or be told, "Hey, you know, you're missing meals, and the orders are going." I don't know what the analogy yeah, yeah. is. No, there. Or, or I, I do like, want to ask you. Yeah, go ahead. No, I just like, you know, thinking in, in what is something like, okay, there's a major mm-hmm. natural disaster in some part of the country, right? And they're trying to organize mm-hmm. help, right? And 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 a system like this, where where basic communication is falling apart, and and people aren't knowing things they should know, um, you know, that to me is is the that's the sort of warning when you look at this and you go, okay, yeah, you know, the minister didn't do his thing, that was stupid, but but what does that indicate about the lines of communication in the government when there's an emergency? Because emergencies aren't just necessarily foreign; they can be domestic as well. You know, like, like, you know, in 911, what if you had communication like this? My God, what would have happened? If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 